news from the UK and Spain. A very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's the 8th of December. I'll also refer you to our other podcast that I do with Neil, which tends to be more UK-based. Uh, this one with Terry is more Spain-based. Anyway, let me tell you about the weather, etc. Okay, so we've had a very, very windy couple of days. Uh, today has been nice and bright. Uh, certainly, you know that you're into the autumn part of the year. We've got the weather system, of course, that um, is probably related to the same system up uh, uh, near the Great Britain uh, storm that's been hitting them up there. So let me just go across the mountains, drive for about an hour down to Alfaz del P. And uh, say a very good afternoon and welcome to Terry. Terry, how are you and what's your weather like? Cold. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Those uh, nice, bright, sunny, wintry days have given over to uh, cold, overcast, very windy, uh, and a lot nippier tonight. That's for sure. Okay. Well, things that uh, I'm looking at mainly will be uh, based for around Spain, but we do start with. Something I read in the papers about the riot police using water cannons and tear gas on demonstrators dispersing masked protesters who'd set fire to plastic bins and rubbish in the street to block the road. This went on to tell me that police used water cannons to disperse protesters as thousands of people marched through the streets towards the headquarters of the European Union shouting, freedom, freedom. Now, the protest comes or came two days after the Belgian government introduced new COVID restrictions and just one day after many cities in Europe also played host to anti-lockdown protests. Upwards of 40,000 people held demonstrations in Vienna, Austria, while thousands more piled into the streets of Utrecht in the Netherlands and Frankfurt in Germany. The Belgian Prime Minister, Alexander de Croo, announced that kindergarten and primary schools will close for the holiday season a week early and children must now wear masks from the age of six. Previously, the government closed nightclubs and ordered bars and restaurants to shut at 11pm. Um, I do remember many uh, years ago uh, when we were talking on the panel, uh, roughly about the European Union and you were convinced that there would be an imploding of the European Union. Um, obviously, neither of us, nobody else either, would have thought of something which is like this. Um, so, first and foremost, um, I, I'm looking at other reports which are telling me that this particular variant is... Um, Obviously contagious, but it is not as virulent as previous strains. Now, uh, are these people right to be demonstrating in these various places that I've just outlined? Or do you think maybe uh, that the time has come to really appraise whether or not the danger is being um, maybe overemphasized and that maybe things like the common cold, the the flu and everything else that had previously been 
prevalent at this time of the year is usurping any records that have ever been held over um, people's health. What's your take on that sort of information and whether it's related to a bigger picture? Over to you, Terry. Lock, lock them up. Um, the, this new variant, Omicron, Omicron is reportedly uh, extremely uh, contagious. Extremely contagious. Way, way, way more contagious than than what we've been subjected to. Um, the the reports back out, which only really come from South Africa at the moment, because that's where it was first picked up. So that's that's the only bit of history they've got on it. Is that it's it doesn't seem to be affecting the people um, as dangerously as uh, one would have thought. Uh, in other words, they're not filling the hospitals up. But the fact that uh, where they're testing is mainly students in South Africa, where it all came from, is mainly students and young people. Then students and young people are very rarely affected by it anyway. Either way, the danger with this new variant being super contagious is that it's mutated to that. And every time somebody gets COVID and passes it on, it mutates very slightly. Now, if somebody gets this super contagious variant and, and aren't really that ill with it as it sounds they might not be but it mutates slightly and they pass it on to the next person uh, and it's slightly stronger but so the problem is that this super contagious variant if it if it mutates to become a really seriously dangerous variant then the combination of those two is earth-shattering in regarding the deaths and, and, and serious illness that's where the problem is it's something that has to be contained as quickly as possible. And it doesn't help with, with people going out in the street demanding freedom. Yeah, demand for you. You're not running out in the street demanding freedom because you're told to go into a bomb shelter when, 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 when in, during the Second World War, when, when uh, Britain and Germany were bombing each other's cities to a pulp. You can run out in the street and shout freedom all you want. You can run out and say, I don't want to be put into a, a bomb shelter, but you know what the result's going to be. And sadly... That might well happen with uh, the variant, with people demonstrating without taking precautions. It's, it's, it's dangerous times you live in. Me personally, I'm going to bolt ourselves down over the next few weeks. I really am. I've decided yesterday that uh, we're going to withdraw our activities and uh, put ourselves in a semi-sort of lockdown. Okay. Um, okay. There's so much stuff on COVID that is in the major uh, papers, news uh, places, radios, TVs, everywhere else. I'm going to try and keep it to a bit of a minimum. And I'm going to leadership now because leadership is something that I personally would love to see a little bit more of from our leaders. So um, I picked up uh, an article which said the Pope apparently said while on board the papal plane on return to the Vatican and I'm quoting now, it is something that throughout history has not worked. In history, many dictatorships have tried to do these things. I'm thinking of Napoleon, the Nazi dictatorship, the communist one. He added that the EU is necessary, but it needs to avoid stirring up divisions among its member states. He said the European Union must be careful not to take the path of ideological colonisation. This could end up dividing countries and causing the EU to fail. Now, what's this all about that he's talking about? Well, it's Helena Darley, the EU Equality Commissioner, issued a guide back in October 
but it's only just recently become public with the contents. Uh, she um, said that the European Union must respect each country's internal structure, its variety, and not try to make them Eurofuel, uh, sorry, uniform. I don't think it will do that. Uh, it wasn't its intention, but it must be careful because sometimes they come and throw projects like this one out there. Now, that was written, and it wasn't clear whether she's, she's saying that or whether it was the Pope saying that. Uh, but the, the document, EU document, was then uh, telling staff to avoid assuming that everyone is Christian and that not everyone celebrates the Christian holidays and not all Christians celebrate them on the same dates. Instead of saying Christmas time um, can be stressful, staff were told to say holiday times can be stressful. And Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the Vatican Secretary of State, accused the EU of trying to cancel our roots by ignoring not, rather than respecting Europe's Christian heritage. You know, I've, I've told you for a long time, I've suspected that there is a lot more to everything that's going on. I think uh, every now and again, you might get the impression that I think there's no um, real threat from the actual germs, etc. I do know that the, the germs are dreadful and I do understand um, that we've got to be very careful I do also understand that there is a little uh, that there's a little bit of confusion in virtually everything you read. I mean, that particular article, I could not totally make sure whether it was Helena Dali that was saying things or whether it was the EU document. Um, so, is the confusion actually written into the report in the newspapers, or um, can I just go to the general concept that it would appear? that the European Union had this document that subsequently seems to have been suppressed, uh, which is saying, instead of saying Christmas time, we've got to say holiday times can be stressful. Um, there is something about having a go at the Christian faith at the moment, in my opinion, and I wonder whether or not is that part of anything that you uh, believe is going on, um, and certainly... Is it anything you would worry about if that's the case? <laughs> PC, mate. Political correctness. Uh, talking of political correctness, the Pope on his private plane, I hope uh, Greta Thunberg's on her way over by boat to the Vatican to uh, to confront the Pope on his irresponsible travel in this climate change world. Um, PC, political correctness is ruling the world because we let it. Political correctness is in all our lives now. You watch television. Do me a favour, Vince. Watch television, uh, especially uh, UK television, if you can get it. And when the adverts come on, which bores you to tears, you, you reach for the kettle, uh, just sit there and make a note of how many coloured people there are in the adverts. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I watch the UK television. I've made the same comment. Uh, I don't have a big problem with it, but I know that we're being um, uh, genetically modified when we're sitting and even watching TV now. It's more than genetically <laughs> modified, Vince. I'm outnumbered. Yes. I'm just wondering how, how many white people are left. I'm not saying this from a racist point of view, though I am saying it from a racist point of view, because contradictorily, we are being uh, affronted 
by a wave of, of, of coloured education. We're supposed to be educated into, into uh, um, and I always say coloured people, people of colour makes me believe, coloured people, bless the cotton socks, we're all bloody coloured, but anyway, people of a different colour to us, um, saying they're, uh, that they're not respected and they're intimidated and it's not an even playing field. I've no doubt that is right. I've no doubt at all that that goes on, without a shadow of doubt. But not as much as people tend to think. I really do not. I really don't think that footballers have to drop to a knee uh, to, in respect to Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think, as we've seen this week in, in the British press regarding young baby tortured for four months, that happen to be white. I think white lives matter as well sometimes as well. I think the bottom line is means that all lives matter. And the sooner we get round to doing that and stop splitting things into colours, into religion, into happy holidays instead of happy Christmas, get over it. If anybody says to me, happy holidays, I'm going to ram a, a Christmas bully mince pie down the mouth. I promise you, I'll be really, really upset. <laughs> Frankly, I've not had anybody ever say to me, happy holidays, and I don't think anybody has. Have you had this? Never. Listen, anybody said to you? I, I'm totally and utterly on the same uh, page with this one, because quite frankly, um, I'll say happy Christmas all the time that I live, because quite frankly, it's Christmas time. When it comes oh. to the Jewish having their holidays or the Muslims having theirs, I respect whatever their greeting might be. Um, when we come to the oh. black uh, the, the, the black question on the TV adverts, you you are now becoming stupidly, uh, totally brainwashed. Where's it coming yeah. from? There's only one place that I can make any sense of this, and it's the Agenda 2030. Look at it on the websites, and you'll see where I'm, where, where I'm coming from. It's telling you what they are trying to do to us. And quite frankly, um, I don't particularly worry about it because quite Honestly, you know, um, I've noticed even in the last couple of weeks, there's the odd white person that's coming back on the adverts. It's almost like somebody's been pushing the barrier and now we'll yeah. take it back a little bit and see what the reaction is. So, um, no, I'm it's with outrageous, you. Vince. It's, it's out, but we do nothing, Vince. We're talking about it, but no one is doing anything. This is being forced upon us. It's been forced upon us so that, that, uh, that really, without even thinking about it, most advertising is, is, is subliminal, is, 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 is trickery there to get you to buy their product. Because uh, but I, sometimes I wonder how does that work? Because you can watch a long, expensive advert um, and then, then watch it again. When it starts again and you've seen it, ask yourself, what product's this about? And you don't really know until the end. So I don't know if it's worked that well. But to, to push this across, I mean, how many white actors must be out of work now? Um, uh, in, in, I think it's in, in the UK, I think 5% of the population are actually black. I think it's sort of like 7% are, are, are Asian. In all these figures and the, that we're talking about, you never hear the word Chinese spoken, do you? No. Poor buggers, they're left, in, they're left out in the cold, never mind the North American Indians. Hey, oh, 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 yeah. But it, it's everyone's left out. It's black, end of. No other colour, no other other colour works, and it's wrong, and it's creating division. It's getting us talking strongly, 
about a subject that we never talk strongly about. Terry, and I it's, think it's wrong. I think you've actually hit the nail on the head. You see, because that is what they are trying to do. Whoever is behind the, the planning of this great reset, I think the the idea is to create division, and then sooner or later, um, well, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to move on because I've got quite a lot for us now, and uh, we'll go to. Um, Uh, Statistics and inflation next. So we're according now to the most recent national statistics. Um, Inflation in Spain is on its way to new highs not seen in the previous three decades. On the back of rising food and gas prices, inflation in Spain accelerated in November to its highest level in nearly three decades. According to preliminary data from the National Statistics Institute, consumer prices increased by 5.6% in November, up from 5.4% in October. Inflation in Spain is now growing to its fastest rate since September 1992, when it was 5.8%. According to the Statistics Office, the increase uh, increase in inflation in the Eurozone's fourth largest economy was primarily due to a rise in food prices, which was followed by higher gas prices. Electricity prices, on the other hand, have fallen slightly after a month-long increase, according to the report. In Spain, as in the rest of the European Union, inflation has risen since the beginning of the year after consumer prices fell for the majority of 2020 due to the economic impact of the pandemic lockdowns. In October, Eurozone inflation reached 4.1%, well above the European Central Bank's 2% target, and matching a high set in July 2008. However, according to board member Isabel Schnabel, the bank believes Eurozone inflation will peak in November and then gradually slow next year as supply bottlenecks and the energy crunch ease. Investors are concerned that central banks will withdraw their stimulus uh, stimulus measures, controlling inflation uh, sooner than expected. Okay, I think that uh, many people would have expected that anyway. And uh, what did you think of that information? Well, you can't rack diesel up by 50% without something happening. All, all, everything that arrives on your doorstep, from your Amazon delivery, which we can't live without, to, uh, to, your bread, to your bread that's coming from the bakery to the supermarket, they all use vehicles, they all use transport, they all use diesel. So if the, uh, if the diesel that, that fires up those, those lorries and vans has gone up in fit by 50%, then that's got to be passed on to the consumer, which is you and me and, and our listener. So it's, it's obvious that that is, and that's a repercussion on every single thing that we consume is a 50% increase because of transport. The uh, transport industry itself is down, so they're having to push up wages to, uh, to attract uh, delivery drivers back. The, the uh, inflation, yeah, I think it's about 4.5% in, in Spain at the minute. He's got, but I certainly see it. I see it on a regular basis now because we've been shopping uh, online for since since the COVID thing started. Um, we've been not been doing so much of it recently because it's been quite well. But as of this weekend, uh, we're bolting ourselves down again, so we're back onto shopping online again. 
And I, we noticed that week in, week out, we're buying virtually the same thing, but uh, we're having to, you know, cut back a bit on a few things because it's going up and up and up. Uh, and I, I can see more than four and a half percent in my shopping basket, put it that way, which I would never have actually noticed before. But when you're shopping online, you tend to buy the same goods week in, week out. Uh, even down to a pack of ham, which used to have five slices in it, has now got four. You know, that's mm-hmm. that, that's that's a 20% increase. So it's, it, that's get passed on. Uh, meanwhile, people who work for me have still got the same wages. I'm working out a new package for them as of January um, to give them a, a fairer crack of the whip and a chance to earn more money to soften the blow because this is this is happening everywhere. But, and it had to come. You did have to come. It did have to come. But I'd, I'd like to know what happened to the, was it 90-odd billion or something that Spain received from from the EU to help soften the blow on, on, on all. I don't know where it is. I'd like to know where all the pension money's gone because apparently that's completely disappeared down a hole in the ground in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not good, Vince. It's not good. The uh, government is just is just like a like a, a ball bouncing around a, a snooker table, bouncing off every cushion to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right, getting nudged left, getting nudged right. It's 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 not. It's a government not in government. Uh, and I don't see one taking over. There isn't. There's no single power, uh, powerful party in Spain that can can take over government. Whichever new government does appear, eventually will, will be another uh, consortium, if you like, of of, of parties. And the way the way the voting system in the Senate uh, is made, and it might well be, and well, I think it will be, the smaller parties within Spain will have much more leverage, and become much more important. And that's going to be important for us because we've got more chance of getting things changed with smaller parties than with bigger parties. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not clever. Had to be accepted. The world's been through a horrific couple of years and hopefully, hopefully, we're starting to see the back end of that now. And of course, there's been repercussions and we've just got to tighten our belts and live a little bit, I think, Vince. Well, my suspicion is always... Whenever you get a left, uh, left-wing government, you're always going to get the likelihood of more inflation. So you half expect that. When you've got uh, a party like um, uh, Podemos pulling you out further to the left and you look at the, the bigger global picture of what you could say is pretty obviously going on. Um, when you look, for example, at the money that China's just thrown at Barbados uh, so that, you know, it'll prompt the decision to move Barbados away from the UK, for example. I just think there's lots more going on. I'll give you a little bit more information which might um, might be relevant to this. One more second. Okay, so uh, we're looking at inflation and uh, the Spanish labour market uh, broke new records last month thanks to the biggest fall in unemployment in the month of November and highest number of people in work since the current historical series began. For the ninth month in a row, the ranks of the unemployed fell, a downward trend that has never been seen in the statistics. November is usually a bad month for hiring, which traditionally picks up in December due to the approaching Christmas season. But the trend was booked this year, and the recovery from the devastating COVID-19 pandemic appears to be continuing apace. 
November saw registered unemployment fall by 74,381, compared to October for a total of 3.1 million jobless, the lowest figure for this month of the year since 2008. The sectors that have most benefited from this improvement are agriculture, uh, which uh, is... uh, Uh, Well, okay, uh, you half expect that. Industry, uh, as well as the service sector and construction. So uh, does that reflect anything in what we're seeing with this um, rise in the cost of living, in the the inflation? Do you think the two are related? Supply and demand. Um, Supply and demand create prices, Vince. If you can control the supply, as was purported that Putin in the Russian president was uh, supposedly having a, putting the squeeze onto the on the levels of gas being supplied to Europe, hence the uh, hoist in uh, gas prices by 400 uh, percent. Whether there's any truth in that or not, but somebody was had their hand on the pipe squeezing it for sure. Sure. So it's supply and demand that, that controls prices. If uh, if you can't get the uh, supply, if if <laughs> If there's not enough lorries to deliver something, you know, for argument's sake, or some lorry transport firms have gone down because they can't afford 50% extra diesel, then supply goes down, then the demand goes up and the price can go up. People are um, also big, certainly supermarkets, I believe, uh, are, are hiking their prices up because they took a panel in the last couple of years. Um, they've obviously sold less products the last couple of years because people were buying essentials rather than going into a supermarket to shop for an hour and wandering all the shelves. They were going in with a target for the for the bread and the milk and, and coming out with it. Um, so they're desperate to, to recover their their uh, their profits. Um, it, it, this is where you need a strong government to, to control this. Um, and I'm sure they can. Theoretically, they cannot. But I'm pretty sure they can. But we all know that big business controls, certainly controls uh, governments, certainly in this country. Um, so don't, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. Things are going to go up and things are going to get very nasty, I think, really, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, people, what happens? You, you, you've got to pay what what happens in England. People stop paying for their heating, don't they? And then, then poor old folk get a die of hypothermia because they can't afford the heating. Um, so something's, something's got to go. If you've only got X amount coming in and, and the Y amount going out is great and the X coming in, then something's got to happen or there's going to be a lot more robberies which there are, uh, be, be careful of that. I was involved in an attempted robbery uh, the weekend, for you know. Um, at home or, or while you were out? Oh, while we were out, so we were in, we were up in, uh, I was up in, uh, the, up in the outlands of uh, Cuenca. Um, but it, it's, um, it, it's, they're there, but there's, it's there. There's robbery, uh, there is, this was organised robbery. This, there was robbery around, we could see it. So, there's got to be more and more of it. There are people getting broke into and having their stuff stolen. It's easier. There was a shop broken into in our little village, right right in the middle of our village. Then they broke into the shop next door, right bang in the middle of the village. I'm going to say broke. They broke. They broke the glass, broke the door, got in and took uh, whatever they could. Good, but not much, but goods and bits and pieces. You know, no no one's breaking into Waterstones in London, are they? Mm. They're breaking into uh, to, to get food. And this is, in this case, that was the breaking in, in the village. It's it's happening. It's it's starting to you know it's the law of the wild, isn't it? The rule of the wild, and it's you've got to be very careful and keep control of that. You can't blame them. <laughs> of course, you can blame. Them. But you, they've, these poor you know these people haven't got anything to eat. 
they're going to have to take it. Well, you know? it, 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 it's, it's, isn't it sort of one following from the other that if you want to, yeah. if you want to create social disorder, so that eventually the governments and every part yeah. of government is uh, disenfranchised or certainly under heavy attack, um, then this is. This is a classic way that uh, things are being done at the moment. Now, ob- yes, yeah, quite right. It is. It is. Uh, it, it's worldwide. There's, there's the sad thing, really, is Vince. We all love democracy. Well, those of us that know and, and, have, and have received democracy, we all love it. Sadly, there are many people in this world who live in countries that don't know what democracy is. They have really no idea what democracy is. I've just been reading the book about uh, an East German family who lived, who lived through before the war, through the war. Second World War, and then under East Germany, under the Russians, and then the East Germans and the Stasi, and eventually got out to the West. And, and wow, what what they saw when they got to the West, they just and, and it was the explanation of the difference in life. Uh, but the danger is that. But the danger we're facing now is democracy is being taken away from us. We're told we have a democratic choice, but it's not happening, is it? You you can vote for whom you wish. But that person or that party that you you vote for on on the grounds that they they supposedly support your ideas, when they actually get to their part in, in governing the country on your behalf, uh, they ignore completely what they said they would do, and start doing perhaps the, the horizontally 180 degree turn opposite of what they said they would do, and let you down badly. But you've voted them in for the next four or five years, and you can't do much about it. It's, uh, I heard something on the radio this morning, and it was an ex-serviceman um, talking basically about this, um, basically saying that be very careful with um, how you treat the public because the military won't stand for it. You know, the, 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 it was basically saying the military are there to 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 do the the, the will of their of their superiors, i.e., the, the rank and file in the military, but they also their superiors obey the laws of the of the governing party but eventually if the governing party starts taking the proverbial then um, you know the dog might turn around and bite the hand and that that was a chilling that was he was dead serious and he was he was a, he was a sound talking bloke he wasn't talking stupidly but it was an angle that i hadn't actually thought about coming from uh, from a civilized country you know that what could happen and you can look at any country really Vince, can't you in the so-called civilized world and see absolute corruption and and disgusting antics at the top level of, of government i can see Awful. i can see where a lot if not all of this is coming from by the way it's either the tv or the the internet probably the internet at the moment um okay i'm going to play a jingle okay. and then i'm going to give you um what possibly spain sees as the answer to everything right. you're listening to vince tracy and neil Cobo. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Okay, just a reminder, there's a sister podcast with Neil Colborn. This particular podcast is with Terry Whitehead and myself, and we're looking mainly at Spain and uh, other parts of the European Union. And we've been looking at the inflation and how, at the moment, uh, things are not looking too good. Well, has Spain got the answer? Because a new law uh, modifying the legal framework of animals was approved on Thursday with wide support from Spain's Congress. Only the far-right Vox Party voted against the measure, 
and the legislation changes the civil code, mortgage law and civil procedure law, broadly applying to all animals whether they are domesticated or wild. And animals were already recognised as sentient beings with rights and interests that must be taken into account in European law, regional administrative laws and even Spain's criminal code. But this recognition was not present in the Spanish Civil Code, which covers issues relating to property, family and obligations. This meant that lawyers did not have a legal basis to address certain problems, such as what to do with pets in divorce cases. It's a step forward and it says that in separation and divorces, the arrangement that will be applied to the animals will take into account not only the interests of the humans, but also of the animal. This is Maria gonzalez Lacabex from Intercids, a legal organisation specialising in animal protection. The process to get the law approved has been long and winding. It was first proposed in 2017, didn't move forward due to the upheaval caused by Spain uh, and the two general elections in April and November of 19, uh, 2019. It was not until April of this year that the initiative appeared before Congress, when it was supported by all parties except Fox. In September, the law was then approved by Spain's upper house, the Senate, which introduced some modifications, and on Thursday it was given the final green light by Congress. Uh, the Conservative PP largely supported the text of the document, but warned the coalition government, led by, of course, the PSOE or the Labour Party, and junior party, Eudemus uh, Podemus, that's the... Uh, practically the Communist Party pulling it out further left, uh, but it will not back greater protection for animals. The warning was in reference to the Social Rights Ministry, headed by Ione Bellara from Unidas Podemos, which is preparing a draft for a new animal welfare law that includes stricter measures to prevent animal trafficking and abuse. Um, I'm going on with just a little bit more, and Teresa Aguada, a lawmaker from the PP called on the socialists not to cede to the extremist pressure of your partners, meaning, of course, Udinus Podemos, to attack our traditions, culture and rural world. Most of Spain's congressional parties, however, welcome the law's approval. It is a moral victory in a country where 200,000 animals are abandoned each year, said Juanjo López de Oralde from Podemos. Uh, Terry... Uh, is this really a priority in today's uh, times that we have? Vince, I'm an animal lover. I eat most of them. I would never see one tortured or hurt. Um, I, I remember the first years I was here in Spain in the early 70s. Uh, I, I witnessed a child picking up a kitten and swinging it against the wall, smashing its brains out against the wall. Oof. While its parents... Sat, sat by a few metres away having a beer. Uh, I pulled their attention to it in, in very polite terms, of course. Uh, and I was told that, that animals have no soul. Uh, therefore, the child is doing nothing wrong. Uh, and that shocked me quite a bit. I made some inroads into that over the years and reading a bit of history into Spain. Spain went through a period called Los Años Hambre, which is before and during the, the, the Civil War. 36, 38, uh, where, where they annual zambri means the years of hunger, and that they were that they were they were starved to death. The 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 the, the idea of uh, the the dueling parties was to dis destroy 
any any farms, etc., uh, to, to starve the opposition. And they just went across Spain. They were trying to starve each other out. Of course, it was the population that were on the sharp end of that. And it was that point that priests apparently were saying to the people, animals have no soul. Have no fear about eating your dog, your cat, or any other animal, not just the, the, the pig and the cat and the chicken. You can eat any other any animal or bird. An animal has no soul. That information obviously perpetrated down to this family who allowed their kid to smash its, this kitten uh, against the wall. Um, so when you say they're bringing in uh, animal rights into Spain, yeah, I'm all for it. They, they, they I mean, the hunting, they, they, they do a lot of hunting with dogs, especially the area I've been to over the weekend. Um, but And they keep those dogs. Uh, I was around this guy's house, and he's, he's got his dogs all, all locked away in kennels, or five or six of them, but they're all hunting dogs. But they'll stay there for months on end, you know, until they go out hunting again. And then a certain, not long, they don't live that long because they become not so good hunters and they're killed. Uh, I've, I've heard stories where they're just thrown down ravines, just, just chucked down over a cliff face uh, or shot. Uh, they're just killed because they're no longer of any use. Um, it goes on, yeah. It's like Spain needed some sort of law to defend the rights of animals. I can, I, can, I can go along with that. There's no doubt about that. But hopefully no political party like Podemos is going to take advantage and use that to gain some sort of voting electoral advantage. So we'll see what happens on that one. OK. For me, I'll quickly state my own uh, position. I uh, obviously love all animals. I believe that all animals uh, have got to be respected. Uh, I find the bull fighting uh, when it comes to the kill very, very difficult. I did have it explained to me by a very cultured man who explained parts of the way that the bull is reared and that he felt it was a noble uh, death and this, that and the other, uh, which is difficult to actually uh, particularly argue against because you, you've got your side, which is uh, probably more emotional than cultural. Um, mm. So... Uh, then I go to my own decision, which is basically I've become almost vegetarian. I, if I have the chance not to eat meat, I don't eat meat. Um, I do believe that I don't like the way that we treat our animals. And, of course, then I get criticised by all sorts of people who tell me that I'm not a real man because I don't eat meat. Um, you know, and, and there's lots of other things that men do that apparently make, make you a proper man. Uh, like drinking lots of beer and being silly and all that sort of stuff. So um, th this gets to the question, is the timing right? Because I do believe that, uh, yes, I've seen far too much cruelty in this country. Um, I haven't said too much because basically I'm coming into a different culture and sometimes it's more difficult to stand your ground if you're not au fait with the language, although I can normally hold my own with most conversations now. Um, this is a cultural thing. I'm thinking in terms of the way that they do treat the animals. Um, you know, I did see some of this in France as well, you know, where the animals are, are maybe locked up outside. But, it, I mean, you see it everywhere. You do, yeah. you look at these young guys walking around, strutting around with these horrible dogs, um, uh, like, like some sort of um, badge of honour, you know. Um, is it just this idea that we are more powerful than the animals or is there more to it oh probably i mean what, what really nauseates me is seeing these designer dogs sitting in handbags uh people 
We'll go cycling along with a dog in the back. Get off your bike and take the dog for a walk. What's that about? That's one you see quite often around here, unfortunately. Is somebody pushing the pram, there's a dog in it. I mean, this is this is ludicrous. They're, they've just, they are, they, yeah. In other words, there's a case for animals to be allowed to be animals, not to become something that you think they need to be. I'm all in favour of that. Listen, I had dogs all my life since. All my dogs, all my dogs lived outdoors. Never came indoors. They all lived outdoors. Loved it. I'd have my doors wide open in the summer. They wouldn't cross the line. They're quite happy to live outside, sleep uh, sleep under the trees, even if they've got kennels. They go and sleep where they want to sleep. They lived a lovely natural life, and every one of them lived a really, really long life. A really long life. Well, strangely uh, enough, um, yeah. I mean, I've got a, a cat, a Persian cat, and, um, you know, I don't mind it being in the house when I'm around and, you know, and everything. But when it comes to the evening, I put him outside and uh, we have a little walk up to his little area and put him down his treat. And he loves to be, he seems to love to be outside. And because he's an animal. Then. Exactly, exactly. That was he's going to be my point. Habitat. Yeah. You know, we all go to zoos and see animals in bloody cages. That's not nice. If you go to a safari park, that's nice. Go to a safari park, though, you know, you're driving through their, their back garden. It's the animals, what the hell is that car doing? But it's, uh, no, I mean, when cats, cats are the most destructive thing around. Cats kill for fun. A, do, a dog, you know, the dog, the, dog, the dog does not kill something else, but a cat will, will kill for fun. will kill a bird, kill a mouse, kill a rat. Uh, just I, one of my clients, he's, he's got two cats. And um, nearly every day, there's a decapitated rat outside his back door. The cat brings a, a rat back to him. Fine, at least he's, if you think rats are bad, all right, he's doing a good job, he's killing them. But, um, you know, you forget the cats are spiteful, nasty little things. <laughs> but I don't, I don't go around saying, oh, they should be locked up and, uh, or, or, or slaughtered. And No, an animal, for God's sake, let's just put animals back where they belong in the wild. You know. Okay, uh, let's get the next one ready. Stand by. You're listening to Vince Tracy on Europe Calling. All the news from the UK and Spain. Europe Calling. And a reminder, our special guest is Terry Whitehead. As I tell Terry and everybody... Um, that it is possible, of course, that your vehicle could run dry and end up stranded in the carriageway. Uh, this is in Spain, and it's, of course, a highly dangerous thing to do on a busy road. If your vehicle starts stuttering, the sign it's running out of fuel, you might panic and pull the vehicle up somehow facing in the wrong direction. That would be worth a €200 Euros fine in Spain. Once a vehicle runs dry, the power steering normally stops working, which means you might have to get out and start pushing the vehicle on the road. This is another €200. Euros. From the moment you step out of your vehicle on a road, by law, you're required to warn other road users. You must wear a reflective vest and uh, all the passengers who exit the vehicle must also do the same. A new V16 warning beacon must be placed on top of the vehicle or failing this, uh, the old type warning triangles, any failure in these aspects, there's another 80 euros. Usually once parked up, the instinct is to call for the tow truck. It's always advisable to check this is in your insurance policy and know where to find the number quickly. Should you decide to make your way on foot to the next service station, this is when you could receive the biggest fine. It is essential that any container you transport uh, fuel back to your car with 
it approved the transportation of dangerous goods, which petrol or diesel are classed as, is regulated by law. Any container, regardless of capacity that's not approved, can land with a hefty fine of up to €3,000. All this reported in Las Provincias of España. Um, so, there are many people who don't seem to realise that there's a lot of things uh, that we need to be aware of when driving here in Spain. Normally, mm. am I right in saying that most of the insurance policies these days uh, have um, part of your insurance is the pickup truck now? Is, is that yeah, normal? Think, yeah, absolutely everything. That, I, I, listen, I've priced, I think I've had more out of a pickup truck than anybody else in, in the area. Of uh, a, a use of using a pickup truck for a variety of reasons, and that number is is in is in my phone, uh, so it's dead easy. I just uh, I just type in pickup truck for the insurance, and I phone them direct straight in. Now then, you've you you've come to a grinding halt, as I did a couple a couple of months ago. Uh, my engine just packed in middle of nowhere. I mean the middle of nowhere. Uh, I, I barely had time to try and get the car off. Well, wasn't even off the road, but away from the main line of traffic as as much as possible. Um, first thing you do, you've got to put your visible high vis jacket on in the car, which I can't do. I'm too bloody big, so I'll, I'll break the law number one by doing that. Number two, get your triangles out front and back, 50 meters. Uh, number three, keep away from the. If you can get away from the car, even better, uh, because if you know somebody could run into it and try and advise the traffic that. There is a vehicle stopped here. And obviously, you've, you've got on the phone to your insurance company. They're very good. And now because we've got um, smartphones, they'll know where you are. Uh, they can know where you are. They can pinpoint you very quickly. And and I, I've, like I said, I've had use of the, the, the grua, as we call it in Spain, which is the tow truck, on many, many, I'd say at least 30 occasions over the years I've been here. Absolutely wonderful. You need a char- tyre change in, they'll come and change it. You've run out of fuel, tell them, I've run out of fuel. Which fuel? Diesel. Okay, they'll bring it. They'll do it. They'll get you back on the road again. Uh, car's got to go to the garage. They'll take it to the, to, the, to the nearest garage or the garage that you want, as long as it's near home. Now, in my case, the last time I broke down, I was an hour and a half away. They took the garage back an hour and a half to my Pueblo where I wanted the car to be. Um... And there was a few of us in the car, so we, they, they also paid for a taxi. So we had a free trip back to the Pueblo, and the car was my Pueblo, to my village, and the car was brought here as well. Excellent service. Use it. Now we've got these wonderful flashing lights they've brought in. Why they didn't bring them in years ago, I don't know. I didn't notice when they came out before the summer, they were like 30-odd, 40 euros. They're down to about 10 euros now. Yeah, I just got thank one, God, actually. Thank, yeah. God, thank God we've got Chinese. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah I've bought a few of them and uh, they're great they're magnetic they slap on top of your car wonderful far better having something flashing than a triangle that nobody sees till they run into it um, all in favour of that no, it's, it, it, uh, I read the same article as you about the guy being fined for having no petrol yeah. for running out of petrol um, I didn't know that um, but it makes sense to me there's no reason to run out of petrol having said that I've just been driving back today and the petrol light came on She's very rare for me. I always fill my tank. I never put 50 euros in or whatever. I fill the tank. And I normally fill it when it's about gets to about a quarter full. I fill it. So I don't know. I drive, do an awful lot of driving. So I've got to remember that tomorrow morning, first thing, I've got to go down and fill my tank. Um, but yeah, I'm brilliant. The service here in Spain certainly is, is from the insurance point of view. You are covered. And the insurance is quite cheap in reality. 
I just I've got a number of vehicles to to insure, but uh, my wife's car's just come up. I think that's two hundred and ten euros for a, for a Ford Estate car. Yeah, uh, insurance. It's 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 very cheap. You get good. I've certainly had my money's worth. I promise you. Good. <laughs> I really have. Okay, let me give you um, yeah something I read which I think you'll enjoy. So, uh, this was in one of our local papers. It's all coming apart, isn't it? Trying to remain positive and retain some degree of optimism through all the doom and gloom is becoming more difficult by the day. And the whingers don't help. The moaners and groaners are everywhere. Even drama queen vocalist Adele, who you would think had very little to complain about, recently occupied Oprah's griping chair, bleating about people not knowing what goes on behind closed doors, while conveniently plugging yet another money-spinning album. Priorities have gone completely haywire. Recently, the UK public has had to put up with hypocritical, anti-Semitic cricketers crying on TV because they've been offended. Celebrities who are earning more in a fortnight than most people can hope for in years, bewailing the fact that they failed to digest the testicles of some animal or another, added to the ever-increasing uncontrolled numbers of illegal immigrants pouring in and floundering politicians at a complete loss what to do about it does truly make you feel it's all going completely to pot. Is this the start of the demise of Western civilization as we know it? I personally thought it embarked on that journey years ago. The trouble is that so-called progress has made it all too easy. Even in the light of yet another variant and the indisputable climate change, the complacency among the masses, particularly the young, is almost beyond belief. The age of technology has led the present generation to believe that all the nation's problems can be settled at the press of a button. Nanny state attitudes have raised the public's sense of entitlement to unprecedented levels while getting something for nothing has become an acceptable mode of existence. Many great civilizations have peaked and subsequently founded when the going got too easy. I came across a statement by one Sheikh Rahid, the founder of Dubai, which hit the nail decisively on the head. When asked about the future of his own country, he replied, My grandfather rode a camel, my father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes, my son rides a Land Rover, and my grandson is going to be ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson will have to ride a camel again. You must raise warriors, not parasites. Past civilizations were not conquered by external enemies. They rotted from within. I thought, I thought that was a very good article. What did you think? Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, when you, when you look, well, certainly the last comments, when you look back, uh, uh, I'm just going right back to the pyramids, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, uh, the, the British Empire, the Spanish Empire, the Portuguese Empire, the French Empire. Uh, the the, the uh, Lithuania. Do you know? Do you know where Lithuania is, then, Vince? Oh, I know exactly where it is. It's one of the three Baltic states, isn't it? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of going there. Um, Google Lithuania when you get five minutes. The history of Lithuania. It was the biggest country in the whole of Europe. It's it was enormous. It spread almost right down to the Mediterranean. That's how big Lithuania and powerful it used to be. All of which, and we're watching the demise of the British Empire as we speak, rotted from within. 
All of them rotted from within. So, so true. When you mentioned about Adele at the beginning, I had a right smile because before the summer started, and I've never really been a fan of Adele. I mean, she had a nice little chubby, but fair enough, chub, chubby lass. Yeah. There was this press release about how she'd lost weight. I thought, and then there was more and more press release. I thought, hang on. There's some, I bet there's an LP coming out here. Well, <laughs> no, fair enough. She kept on going. And then there was a couple of short videos on there where she's chatting away. Uh, and very mindful. And then this, the weight loss thing got pushed again. Next thing you know, like you said, she's on Opera Winfrey. She's on somebody else's show, whinging and whinging and whinging. And then all of a sudden, she brings out an LP full of heartbreaking, sad songs, which the, the, the mugs of, this, of the world are going to go out and buy by their millions and make her a number one album by Christmas. Uh, very well. I've, all, I've watched this progress right from the first thing before the summer. I thought this is so well planned. It was right across the media. It was on Facebook. They'd really planned it to the nth degree. It was an absolute battle, perfectly carried out, to get her become a, a, a multi-billionaire, I'd imagine, by Christmas. I mean, good luck to her. But it's just the way that people use media nowadays, you know? That's, that's what crossed my mind. Anyway, rounds over. OK. <laughs> uh, well, let's take uh, one or two of the other points of this. Um, the cricketing aspect. Now, um, you know, my theory is that what they've been trying to do, although Britain's doing it for itself, England is particularly strong at doing it. I think they've been trying to dismantle anything, uh, the, the, to, anything that could take the greatness away from uh, England in particular. Uh, because, yeah, for, for, well, for example, um, when we used to live in um, England, I used to have a passport and basically it was never a question of uh, a Brit. I don't think it was a British passport even. I seem to remember when we first had our passports, Terry, am I right in saying it was an English passport? Can you remember? No, always British. Okay. In now, the Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Okay, now the thing that worries me, you see, is you're quite entitled to say that you're Irish, you're quite entitled to say that yeah. you're Scottish and Welsh, but you yeah. try and tell somebody you're English, and yeah. it seems no, I do to now. you. Well, you seem to think it's it seems to be a little bit of a problem with some people, doesn't it? What? Well, well, you see, in Spain, what are we all called? Inglés. Yeah. Right. No matter where you're from. Yeah. If you're British, you're called Inglés, which is wrong. And I've been fighting this for years. So no, I'm not English. I'm British, so Britannical. I'm not English. I'm British. I'm not so English, so Britannical. <laughs> and now I'm going. Well, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Why should I fight it when the Scots hate us? Northern, Northern Ireland don't know. They haven't got a clue which way they want to go. Wales certainly don't want to know about anything about England. So well, we might as well be England then. So now that, that now that that is separating a once great country. I've, I've considered we were a Great Britain. We are one country. But apparently we're not. Apparently you've got parliaments in, 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 in Wales, in Northern Ireland and in Scotland. Of course. Who make their own decisions and drive d division between, between the, the nationalities of, of the once great country. It's driving me around the bend, pal. And the Scottish can come down mob-handed as 56 Scottish nationalists and uh, make uh, the noises that can spoil whatever the British Parliament, the English Parliament, sorry, uh, is trying to create. So, yeah. I've well, got... They do, but those 56 Scottish nationalists have just been blown out the water because every single one of them has been taking money for a second job, uh, being paid for their, um, uh, what they call it, uh, they're uh, not advice, but that, where they have to consultancy? give on different things. Like consultancy? That's it, yeah. Wow. Every single one of them. 
Right, I haven't you know, seen the that one yet. Thousand quid they're getting minimum wage. Apparently, isn't good enough. And most of the most of the use it, David Lammy was on. He's 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 caught uh, and there with a foul mouth. The the, the deputy uh, Labour uh, leader. Um, they're, they're claiming one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty thousand pounds on top of their eighty-five thousand wages every year. Every year. Brilliant, isn't it? God God bless the working man. Let me give you something else that um, I, th- this is actually not from an article, but you'll know straight away what I'm talking about. When I'm wondering how much football is being used to monitor and make people change and whatever. Um, for example, I look at all the rules and the regulations that are coming in, and then I'm looking at the football crowds. Not a mask in sight, no social distancing, and then you go about six minutes into the game at the weekend, and you get this um, very moving tribute to a, a young lad that's been murdered by two vile uh, stepmother yeah. and his his natural father. Now, yeah. I, I'm quite happy that they actually did something for him, but six yeah. minutes into the match and a round mm. of applause when really, as I've read in a couple of articles, is a round of applause appropriate for such a horrible thing? A moment's silence. Yes, I can understand that better. No, 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 no disagreements. Oh, because okay. it's traditionally done at football matches that, well, they'll pick a number. I think one of the first people to, when that happened for was uh, Aston Villa midfielder, Cillian. Never get or oh, what's his name. Um, he 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 was he, well. He was really seriously ill, and uh, I'm, I'm, I think he wore some like number seventeen say, on his shirt. So at the minute seventeen in every match, there was a minute round of applause for him. Okay, right? that was to 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 remember you. We're thinking of you. I think if you stand, if you have, if you're in a football match in six minutes of silence, no one's going to notice it. <laughs> six minutes of somebody clapping their hands. Sorry, one minute of clapping their hands. You, 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 we've all remembered. We're all thinking of that little kid, and that's. I think that's that's a marvellous thing to do. Okay, that is good. Okay. The problem you're going to get now in football matches, Vince, is stopping people get, getting down on their knee because that's going to be a hell of a decision somebody's going to have to make. And I tell you now. No one's got the cojones to do it. Well, you see, not only that, though. The the thing is now, I don't know if you've noticed, they've had the uh, rainbow-coloured uh, laces in, in <laughs> yeah. the boots. I don't know if you yeah. spotted that one. Yeah. And the, yeah. the rainbow uh, armband now for the captain to come on. And, yeah. um, I mean, the thing is, it's got a bit silly. So uh, are we going to get everybody sponsoring for whatever their political cause is? And uh, well, week in and week out, we have these type of events. It's getting a bit silly well, for me. Well, I think I predict that in five years' time, there'll be that many uh, well, rainbow bands, that many bands and emblems and badges and and and, uh, and before match performances that these players will have to do to bow down and kowtow to every single single colour, vice, uh, handicap that can possibly exist in this world uh, in recognition. It's gone absolutely bloody bananas. It's gone absolutely bananas, and it can only get worse until everyone's got egg on their face. And no one knows how to wipe the egg off their face. Because if they do wipe the egg off their face, they're not going to look the same as the other idiot next door to them, where they've all got egg on their face. <laughs> it's, it's awful. It's the king's new clothes, mate. OK, well, look, Terry, you're going to hear some music any second now. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
Uh, once again, we've had a very, very interesting hour. We try to bring you uh, some of the things that maybe are less talked about on the media. I don't know about you. Um, I don't for one minute think that uh, other things are less important. It's just basically look and see what else is going on. Terry, thanks very much for being my guest again and um, have lovely. a very safe and a lovely week and look forward to chatting next week. Hey, well, meant to you, it's to me, Anna. It's to me, Anna, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to get you in it. Yes, but you must grab the ass. Yeah.